Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Legend has it that it was written by the Dark Ones, Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Roughly translated, Book of the Dead. served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. It was written long ago, when the seas ran red with blood. It was this blood that was used to ink the book. In the year 1300 AD, the book disappeared. Hey guys, welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast, episode 182. This week, I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm on my own, and I thought I'd do a Book of the Dead horror story special. It's always put special on the end because it just makes it more special. <laughs> so I've done a whole bunch of uh, pre-recorded stories. Um, some of them are my own and others I've taken from the internet. And there's also a couple of little creepy songs in there. I'll interject from time to time to tell you what's going on and all that kind of thing and just to say good day. But generally speaking, um, I'm going to just let the, the pre-recorded little stories roll and hopefully you'll be entertained. Like I said, it's a little bit different. Um, starting with a an original story that I just came up with last night, not a story, I don't know what you'd call it, a little, maybe even an acting piece, no, I don't know, monologue, I don't know what you call it, but it's creepy, I like it, and I hope you like it too, it's called Becky. Becky was a beautiful girl. Uh. 
and I didn't mean to kill her. The next three little stories I've taken from the internet, I like to scour the internet in search of creepy things, uh, horrific things, true stories, made up stories, whatever it is, anything that sends a chill down your spine, you know. Um, these three are my favourite picks. I did, I did, it was probably about a dozen, but I had to obviously keep it fairly trim for the sake of the podcast, otherwise it would be like six hours long. <laughs> These three are just short but sweet and creepy as fuck, um, especially the last one. Um, and then after that, there's a there's a little song of mine that I came up with a few years ago now, but I thought it fit the theme um, of this week's episode quite well. So enjoy. The Screams on Bethnal Green. In 1943, the Bethnal Green Station was being used as an air raid shelter during World War II. One evening, as people ran for shelter after hearing the air raid sirens, a woman and child stumbled on the large steps, leading to hundreds of people tripping and falling down the stairs on top of each other. A total of 173 people were crushed to death, including 62 children. For years after, Staff working at Bethnal Green Tube Station have heard the sounds of women and children screaming, screaming, screaming. 
A hiker decided to go on a hike by himself, something he was not very used to. The whole day was normal, trees and bushes engulfed his surroundings. He enjoyed being outdoors in the mountains. Nothing seemed strange to him. That was until he was making his way back to his car. He figured an eight-hour hike was good enough. The sky was already getting dark and he needed to get back fast. What was odd was how much he didn't recognise the trail back. He began to panic. Night had already taken over and all he had was his flashlight and no clue on how to get back. He knew it was already too late and too dangerous to keep going through the perilous forest. He began to worry that he would have no shelter for the night when almost luckily enough he stumbled across a broken down cabin. It was dark and seemed like no one had visited in years but he knew it was the only place where he could rest until daylight especially since his flashlight was running out of battery. He knocked on the door a few times but no one answered so he let himself in where strangely enough a perfect bed fitted for one person awaited him in the centre of the cabin. He knew that if the owner came back he could explain himself. He was sure that the owner wouldn't mind or was even probably dead. So he went ahead and got himself comfortable in the bed. As he tried to sleep he couldn't ignore the collection of paintings around the room. Portraits of strange looking people, all of them peering at him, each wearing a smile that sent chills up his spine. Not too long after his exhaustion from the hike got the best of him and he was able to ignore the faces. The next morning he got up early and was shocked to see that there were no paintings around the room at all. Only windows. A father went to say goodnight to his seven-year-old son, very well knowing that if he didn't his son would have trouble sleeping. It was a nightly routine between them both. He entered the dimly lit room where his son waited under the blanket. With the first glance, the father could tell there was something unusual about his son tonight, but couldn't put his finger on it. He looked the same, but had a grin that drew from ear to ear. Uh, you okay, buddy? The father asked. The son nodded, still grinning, before saying, Daddy, check for monsters under my bed. The father chuckled a bit before getting on his knees to check only to satisfy his son. There, under the bed, pale and afraid, was his son, his real son. He whispered, Daddy, there's someone in my bed. Oh, God.
Another song lined up for you now is called Hanging Man. Another sort of creepy one that sort of works for today's uh, or tonight's um, episode, this week's episode. Um, a few years ago, I was listening, listening to a lot of Tom Waits, if you know who he is, and, uh, and also Rob Zombie, and you combine them both and you've got uh, a creepy, obscure, bluesy kind of sound going on. And um, it was quite experimental, I suppose, for me. I, there was no real plan. I was just sort of hitting the guitar any way I could. I'm not really a guitarist at all. Um, and then, you know, put it through filters and tried a few different um, singing techniques and just had fun, basically. And that's what these songs on this week's episode are kind of all about. Um after that song, I'll play the uh, the first of my own original stories that I sort of basically came up with on the spot. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of worked doing it that way. And uh, But, you know, we'll see what you think. Hey, kids, come on down. There's a hanging in the center of town. Come on in, 
everybody, come and poke your finger at the dead man. When I was younger, I'd often sit on the front doorstep, wait for Dad to return home from work. Sometimes it was near dark, just before I'd see him walking down the laneway to our house. One night, while I was sitting there waiting, I was playing with some toy cars and quite distracted. When suddenly I heard a noise, not a loud noise, not even a scary noise, just a noise across the laneway. I looked up to try and see where the noise had come from and I couldn't quite figure out where the sound had come from. Was it directly across across from where I was sitting at a neighbour's house? Was it on the laneway? Was it near the lamppost that was at the end of the laneway? Couldn't quite decipher where the sound had come from. So I went back to playing with my cars, distracted once more. Moments later, the same sound came to my ears. This time slightly louder, and this time I was aware that it definitely came from across the laneway, from a neighbour's house. Kind of a muffled sound. I can't explain it now, but I felt alarmed. I felt like something was wrong. A shiver went down my spine, but it was a warm night. I pondered for a while and decided to eventually step out onto the laneway. Now, as I said, I was only a little boy, so really, I wasn't meant to be out on the laneway. I was allowed to wait on the doorstep for Dad's return from work. Nothing else. But I put down the cars walked down the little uh, footpath to the gate, stepped out onto the laneway and strained my ears, listened quietly, almost holding my breath, waiting for the noise to repeat itself. Nothing came. I must have been there for a good few minutes before I decided, hmm, it was probably just nothing. I turned my back, started walking back down the pathway, when suddenly... Ah! Running from the ghosts of both the lives that I took. Running from the ghosts of the lives that I took. Running from the ghosts of the lives that I took. Running from the ghosts, the ghosts, the lives, the lives, talk, talk. Lucas and Wayne. So, um, Wayne isn't here. Um, my, my head is. So itchy. <laughs> um, I'm Lucas, and uh, Wayne isn't here. And but somebody is, and my oh, this, my head. It, 
Yeah, episode 8021. My head is itchy, but the good the good thing is my dad is he's not home. Um, he, he went away. Uh, he put some milk in a cup for me. And then he went, I'm not sure, he was, he was angry. There's a, there's a noise outside, but my dad doesn't want me to leave the house when he isn't here. One time I, Wayne told me to go outside because he called me and he said go outside and my dad found out. Oh, so itchy, <laughs> but I can hear a noise, um, yeah, I probably, probably shouldn't, but, but the noise keeps happening, and, oh, Oh, my head. So the glass of milk is still there and there's a noise outside. I'm not allowed to go outside, but I'm just going to... I'm going to open the door just and put my... put, Put my head outside and look. But Wayne, he's not... Here and yes, I am devil, and I'm here to claim your soul. Lucas and Wayne. Hope you're enjoying the episode so far, guys. Like I did mention, it is a bit different. Without Big Was here, I was left to my own devices and thought, no, I still want to continue with the horror sort of stuff because it's horror month being October. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know, this is what I came up with. So I enjoyed (laughs) doing it all. um, And I really sincerely hope you're enjoying it too. Um, There's still more to come, so stick around. Um, Next, we've got another original story called um, School Pickup. Uh, and then we've got another original story, which is probably one of my favourites that I've done, um, called I Remember You. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If you can, try to listen to I Remember You in the car or somewhere where you can listen to it loud to get the full effect of um, the atmosphere, I suppose. <laughs> the little girl waited patiently outside the school waiting for her mum to pick her up. It was pouring with rain, but she held her bag over her head to try and keep herself dry. Her mum was a little later than usual, and this didn't worry her, but it was a bit strange, but she wasn't too concerned. Another few minutes went by, and sure enough, her mum's car pulled up alongside her. 
The little girl jumped in excitedly out of the rain, laughing at how she was getting quite damp. She didn't look at her mum straight away and just started talking about her day. The car started to drive off. Eventually, she looked over at her mum when she realised her mum wasn't making any replies or responding in any way. And what she saw shocked her, but didn't quite scare her. Her mum was staring straight ahead, concentrating on the road, not really acknowledging her at all. And that's when the little girl saw blood trickling out of her mum's ears. Mum, are you okay? You're bleeding. Still no response from the mum. Little girl shook her mum's arm. Mum, what's going on? You're scaring me. There's blood coming out of your ears. Still the mum ignored the little girl. Finally, the car pulled up to the house and the little girl jumped out, not really knowing what's going on and her mum still staring straight ahead. Little girl ran inside the house to get her dad. When she got inside the house, she found her dad on the phone, crying, screaming, screaming out his wife's name, her mother's name. Daddy, what's, what's going on? Her dad looked at her with tear-filled eyes and said, I'm sorry, Angel. Your mummy's been killed in a car accident. She won't be picking you up from school again. I remember you 
starting your own perfect family. Getting the perfect job, the perfect house, the perfect life. I watched you for a very long time. But now, now I'm waiting for you. Waiting here in the dark for you. Now, last week I was joined by the gruesome Glenn, as he called himself, uh, for episode 181, and we talked about werewolves predominantly. There was some other chit-chat as well about bloody the dude that was on the front of the Nirvana's Nevermind album, Uh, (laughs) but mostly it was about werewolves. We failed to talk about Peter Stump. Now, I was made aware of this guy, Peter Stump, a long time ago uh, via the blog, via one of the um, 
via a, a blogger that I follow actually called Ignited Moth. I've mentioned her here before on the on the podcast. She told me about Peter Stump and uh, that he was a werewolf or claimed to be a werewolf back in the, what was it, 1500s? Um, yeah, very creepy stuff. Now, um, that inspired me and Glenn to actually come up with a song called Stump. Um, Glenn basically wrote the lyrics for it and uh, it's it's quite a cool, epic song. It's, it's big, it's fast, it's hardcore um, and we all love playing it. So what I'm going to do now is I've got a little uh, a story, you know, about Peter Stump, the details that I found about Peter Stump, and then that'll be followed by our song. It is a demo version, so the recording isn't amazing, but I hope you like it. I hope you follow along okay with the lyrics and enjoy the music. Peter Stump, 1535 to 1589, was a German farmer and alleged serial killer accused of werewolfery witchcraft and cannibalism. He was known as the werewolf of Bedburg. In 1589, Peter Stump was arrested and formally accused of being an insatiable bloodsucker and evidence was proved that he had gorged on the flesh of goats, lambs and sheep as well as men, women and children for over 25 years. Facing torture, Stump then confessed to having murdered and eaten 14 children and two pregnant women. You would have thought Peter would have stopped there while he was relatively ahead, but no, he verbally declared that he extracted fetuses from the pregnant woman's wombs and ate their hearts, panting hot and raw. He also confessed to having regular sex with his daughter, and to having had intercourse with a succubus sent to him by the devil. Just before being stretched on a rack, Stump confessed to having had practiced black magic since he was 12 years old and said the devil had forged and given to him a magical belt enabling him to metamorphose into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. When the belt was removed, claimed Stump, he was transformed back into his human form. After the trial, an extensive search was made of Peter's farm for the magical werewolf belt, but nothing resembling it was ever recovered. Stump was finally put to death on October 31st, Halloween, 1589, in an extraordinarily violent manner, similar aesthetically to the scene from Saw movie franchise. Having been strapped to a wooden wheel, flesh was torn from his body in ten places with red-hot pincers, followed by his arms and legs. Then his limbs were broken with the blunt side of an axe head to prevent him from returning from the grave before he was beheaded and burned on a pyre. His daughter and mistress were flayed and strangled, burned along with Stump's body. As a preventative measure against similar wolfish behaviour, the torture wheel was erected on a pole with the figure of a wolf on it, topped by Peter Stump's severed head. Ready! Ah! 
to be an old man who lived at the end of the laneway where I lived as a kid. Me and my friends told stories about the spooky old man that lived there, you know, it was a really dilapidated old house, very, very old house. The shutters on the windows were all closed. The garden, you know, 
overgrown, the fence falling apart, an old car in the front as well, all rusted out. Really decrepit old place. We'd only see the old man occasionally, you know, he'd come out, didn't matter what the weather was, he always had a long, long black coat, dusty old coat, dusty old hat, grizzled old beard, you couldn't really see his face and his features because his hair was long, his beard was long and his hat was low over his face, you know. So yeah, me and my friends, we'd, we'd tell these creepy stories about him, you know, to try and scare the shit out of each other and all that kind of thing. Sometimes we were cruel as well, you know, we would call out things to him or even throw pebbles at him. It, you know, kids being nasty, I suppose, and not really understanding that this old man, he was alone, he was on his own, you know, no one ever came to see him. As far as we knew, he didn't go and see anyone, he'd just leave his house occasionally to go to the shops, come home with a plastic bag. No one knew him, you know, we'd ask our parents and other people in the street. No one knew anything about him. Just a lonely, dark old character who lived in a really creepy old house at the end of the lane. Anyway, as we got a bit older, me and my friends, we started to, as kids do, started to play dare you know, daring each other to do this and that and the other. And one night while camping out in one of my friend's back gardens, we were talking about the crazy, you know, scary old man at the end of the lane and one of us, I don't know who it was now, but one of us came up with the dare of creeping into the old man's house to have a look, knowing he was home, you know. Call it bravado, I don't know, call it Dutch courage, whatever, <laughs> I don't know. But a group of friends all giggling to each other and daring each other and before we knew it, all four of us were creeping down the laneway towards the old man's house. I remember the night being much like this one, a bit rainy, very dark, cold, you know middle of winter. We crept down the laneway, you know, being careful to avoid puddles or stepping on something to make any noise and all that kind of thing. Stifling our giggles at this stage because at this stage we were, I guess, yeah, still feeling quite brave. <laughs> um, personally though, I remember as soon as we stepped over the broken fence into his long, grass, garden, you know, bushes overgrown, everything, it was dense. As soon as we stepped over that fence, my heart was in my throat and I felt cold, I felt nervous, I felt shaky, I felt scared. But not wanting to be the one who, you know, said, screw this, let's go back to the tent, I pushed on and I dare say my friends were feeling exactly the same as I was but didn't want to admit it. We didn't want to go through the front door or knock on the door or anything like that. We wanted to essentially break in to the old man's house. So we crept round the back looking for a way in. One of my friends tried one of the windows, 
No luck. It seemed like it was boarded shut, like nailed shut. Anyway, we kept, you know, looking around the house, looking for an opening, some sort of way in. Must have been at it for a good 10 minutes before we started to think, talk amongst ourselves that maybe, maybe we're not going to get in, you know, whispering to each other in the darkness, can't find a way in. Anyway, one of us said, hang on a minute, there's a low window. We're like, what do you mean? He goes, look at that. And sure enough, through the long grass right next to the house, there was a very small window, ground level, and it was broken. The glass and the frame was broken. I think all of us at that stage were a bit shocked. I think we'd already felt a sense of relief that maybe our adventure had come to a, uh, an abrupt stop because we couldn't get into the house. And then suddenly there was our way in, a very dark hole, ground level. So again, that bravado kicked in and I led the way stupidly now when I think about it. But I was like, yeah, come on, let's go. And got down on my stomach and wriggled into that hole, not knowing what was on the other side. I reached out into the darkness trying to find something to lean on as I crawled through the hole and sure enough I found like a table or a bench or something. So I positioned my hands on that, managed to wriggle through, climb onto the bench and then drop down onto the floor. I remember, the I remember being surprised because the floor was muddy, it was wet, sloppy, you know. I remember that feeling of like, oh, I, you know, thought it was going to be concrete or even hardened earth or something, you know, but not sloppy wetness down there. I don't know. It was strange. Still remember that feeling. Anyway, I turned and helped my friends through the, the broken window as well. And they too sort of giggled nervously at the mud or whatever it was at our feet. One of us had brought a torch and we'd sort of told him not to use it until we got into the house. So sure enough, he, he clicked it on. And it was what we expected. It was a, like a basement cellar, whatever you want to call it. It looked like the old man at one point had maybe used it as a bit of a tool shop. There was some old tools, drill bits, bits of timber, a vice with still a bit of wood stuck in the vice. There was a shadow board with tools and all that kind of thing too, but everything had a layer, a thick layer of dust over it. There were cobwebs. It clearly hadn't been used or anything like that for a very, very long time. We looked down at our feet, sure enough, slop, you know, ankle deep we were in this sloppy, what looked like dark, dark mud. We looked around some more, we explored the basement some more. We found jars. This was probably the first disturbing thing we found. Jars, clear glass jars with white metal lids. And inside the jars, you name it, it was there. All different types of life forms. 
There were yabbies, you know, crabs. There were snails. There were spiders. But there were also birds, baby birds, bigger birds, frogs, fish heads. You name it, it seemed to be there. All, all of the creatures, all of the smaller, you know, insects and creatures that sort of you'd find in a garden or a forest or around a house, you know. Um, they're all there in a, in a murky fluid, yellowy, you know. But it looked thick, the fluid looked thick. I remember that and the jars were covered in dust as well and they were dirty as well. And it sent a shiver down my spine like never before. I'd never experienced any, that, that kind of chill. And it was just animals, you know, maybe, I don't know. We talked amongst ourselves and thought maybe he was into taxidermy, maybe he was a scientist, maybe he just experimented, who knows. But I remember the feeling of like, there were so many, so many of these jars lined up on shelves, bookcases, you know? Everywhere you looked, it seemed you'd find another jar with another creature inside it. And still we're slopping around, trying to be quiet. Now we weren't giggling. Now we were barely talking. We were just taking it all in as the the beam of the torch scoured the basement. We kept seeing jar after jar after jar of these creatures. Finally, one of us said, I've probably seen enough. What do you reckon, guys? And we all kind of like humorlessly chuckled, <laughs> you know, and said, yeah, yeah. Should, should, we, uh, should we go? We all decided, yeah, it was probably time to go. We didn't, we didn't want to go in the house and we'd really seen enough, you know, enough to haunt us at that stage. And that's when we heard it, the creaking of a door. We all froze right there. My friend clicked off, thankfully, clicked off the torch so there was no light. We were standing there in this slop, still as we could, all of us holding our breath, not knowing whether we should run, hide or scream. Sure enough, the door creaked more and a, a very faint light came down, a set of stairs that was against the wall in the basement. And all of us saw the shadowy figure of the old man. Still, none of us moved an inch. We were petrified, absolutely petrified and frozen in time. The old man slowly, very slowly, started to make his way down the steps. And each step seemed to creak louder than the last. Still, we did not move. We couldn't move. We were frozen with fear. Finally, we heard him step into the slop that we thought was mud. 
and then click. The light went on. We saw the old man standing there, staring at us, smiling at us. Blood all over his hands, blood all over his mouth and beard. And when we looked down, we saw we were standing, not in mud, but in thick blood. That's almost it for episode 182. I hope you've enjoyed it. I really did enjoy putting it together, as you can probably imagine, (laughs) getting carried away with my imagination and all that kind of thing. I want to give you guys a little update on Big Woz. Um, So he's now had two lots of surgery. One was to remove the nasty little cancer that was growing in the corner of his eye and nose. Um, That was successful. And then just the other day, on the Friday just gone, um, he had the went and saw the plastic surgeon, and and they basically pieced him back together like Frankenstein's monster, <laughs> except for much much better looking. They've done a really good job, and um, he is in full recovery. He's back home. Um, he's feeling pretty perky and pretty good. So uh, the meds uh, he was on this time round um, stopped any kind of kind of feeling of nausea and all that kind of stuff. So so his his recovery has already kicked off to a good start, which is uh, which is all you can really hope for, I guess, when you go through something as full on as that. So, yeah, we all miss him. We all love him. And uh, from me to you, Big Woz, I'm really looking forward to getting you back on the podcast. Hopefully you'll be back next week um, and we can continue on with the horror theme, uh, but with a lot more laughter and a lot more fun, I'm sure. Now, I've got one more original story. This one's uh, the longest one. Um, It's called The Old Man. Again, I came up with it on the spot. Now, I'm not gloating with that. I guess what I'm saying is that if it's not perfect, <laughs> that's the reason why. There was no editing, there was no redoing, there was no draft copies or anything like that. I just hit record, started talking and made this crazy story up. So hope you enjoy it and I'll see you next week, hopefully, fingers crossed, with Big Was, the man of the hour. Um, take care, be good to yourselves, be good to your goats. Ooh.